2: I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Newton Group Transfer. They are here to help you if you're stuck in a timeshare. These stories from people
4: This is The Jesse Kelly Show.
3: Uh Uh-oh. It might be... It might be a day today on The Jesse Kelly Show. We have... We have obviously some big political news I will get to. COVID relief bill passing... Trump and the GOP having an official rift and a man living only off beer. But before we get to that legend, I have to issue a world-class warning to everybody before this history story. I've done dark on the show before. I will say our show on the... Reserve, the police reserve battalion where it was normal guys who ended up executing a bunch of Jews, I would say that's probably the darkest story I've ever done. Our story today may get a tad darker. If you can imagine that it's. I'll put it to you this way. I know a lot about just various things when it comes to communism and World War II and and things that were happening in the Soviet Union and Germany and stuff like that. And when I say, I know, I know a lot. I'm certainly not some expert, but I love that era, World War One, World War II era, first half of the 20th century era that I, I just end up reading a bunch of stuff on it. I watch everything I can to read a bunch of stuff on it. And so I I get the high points. I get the low points. I get, I, I, I get it. I get it. I've heard plenty of terrible tales. I came across this particular tale, which you've almost undoubtedly not heard of. I came across this particular tale a little while ago. And this is me, right? This is jaded, soulless, moralist me. I was horrified. Uh, The kind of horrified where I was reading something on it and I realized I had my hand over my mouth. I had put my hand over my mouth and I'm doing that thing where you're you're almost saying under your breath, "Oh god, have mercy." That's the kind of tale this is going to be today. I'm not I'm going to skip over some details that I think are just gore. I don't I'm not here to do that, but you want to know why I hate communism? Here's Exhibit A for your Reasons to Hate Communism book. You ready for this? Buckle up. It's a true story. If you were to write a horror movie, I don't think you could write one this bad. Let's go to the Soviet Union now. What's industrial industrialization? Well, here's really what it is. Mao did the same thing in China, but the Soviets were all about that life. Once the communists took over in the Soviet Union, We're talking Lenin, Stalin, all this other stuff. What they were looking at was a country of mostly farmers. You're a farming country. Well, farming's great. Everyone likes to eat. I mean, farming is really, really necessary. But when you're the communist Soviet Union and later on communist China, you don't want to be a country of just farmers. Because how is that going to help you conquer the world? Remember, communists want to conquer the world. They want to conquer everything. You're competing with the United States. You're competing with these other fancy European countries. You, you want to get modern and sexy, right? There's nothing sexy about a plow and a wheat field. Give me factories. I want steel. I want the, That's what you want. That's, that's what helps you conquer the world. So... You decide you're going to force the issue a bit, and you're going to force your country to industrialize. Now, how do you do that? You can't just snap your fingers and sprout up a factory. You need workers. You need workers to do what you're telling them to do. You're not going to see an advertisement in the newspaper. Come make great wages with great benefits. Building our steel steel factory today. There's even a 401k matching plan. No. If you're a communist, remember, it's an anti-human religion. You simply look at people as commodities. That will actually help us all. It helps me... to, To remind myself of this, remember this. A communist doesn't look at you as anything more, this is legitimate, than a stick of gum. That's what you are. You're a stick of gum. You have a use sometimes. If I happen to lose you, it's not really a big deal. If I do find a use for you, I'll use you, but you'll probably lose your flavor shortly and I'll just get rid of you. That sounds harsh. That's how the Communist looks at people. That's how they look at the individual, not people as a whole, but the individual. you're nothing. You mean nothing. you're nothing. So when you want to industrialize a nation, you have to force people to do things. You have to for you have to use the resources you have and the resources you have are people and farmers. Well, your farmers are going to be forced to produce, and the people who aren't doing the things you want them to do are going to be forced to do things like build a steel factory and then work in a steel factory. All right, so that's the general concept of it. I don't want to get too deep into all that right now, but that's the general concept of it. The farmers, man, that they get screwed. In Russia, and places like Ukraine and other places, you see Stalin all his factories and his new factory workers and his new mines and his new timber production, his people had to eat. The farmers had these farms and they had to produce this food and farmers would regularly, and for obvious reasons, plan on there being a famine. Anybody who's, talk to a farming family, any farmer who's ever farmed for any length of time, has a certain portion of the year's crop or year's money, depending on what they're doing with it, and they set it away. Why? Because famine is not some end-of-the-world disaster. Famine is inevitable. There is always another one coming around. You know it. You simply plan for it and get through it. This is, it's just part and parcel. It's just way of life. Farmers would hold stuff aside. Farmers would hold stuff for their family to eat. Farmers would hold things for the famine to come. The Soviet Union would come just take all of it. They'd send the communist officials to take all of it. Soon, because of the forced quotas the farmers couldn't meet, the Soviet Union was killing people, arresting people, calling them lazy for not working as hard as they should for the state. If there was any resistance at all, People were arrested and deported. Ukraine was famous for this. Famous for really bucking back against the Russians. Well, Stalin was not a man to take that lying down. Stalin made things even worse on Ukraine than other people. Soon you have this massive, massive famine in Ukraine. When I say massive famine, I'm talking about 10 million people dying. That kind of famine. Should be noted, just to uh, keep it current here for you. You know the number one newspaper in America? The New York Times? Yeah, one of their writers, he covered for the famine and lied about it for the communists. You see, the communists have been here for a long, long time bringing you the news. Anyway, that's another story. We'll talk about that story another day. You now have what? You have a huge countryside in Russia, Ukraine, and otherwise, of people, rural people, and whatever profession, who are starving and they're poor. Now, what would you do if you were starving and poor in the countryside? We all know what we do. Unless you have a relative somewhere else to go live, you're going to come to the cities where it's more easy to find soups and bread lines and things like that. It's more easy to find relatives. Hey, do you mind if we all pack into your apartment kind of a thing? So they do. They pack into the cities. Stalin doesn't want him in the cities. Stalin has a better idea. Buckle up. It's about to get rough. Jesse Kelly, you're listening to the Jesse Kelly show. You need to quit dipping tobacco. Don't turn off the channel. I'm not going to make you feel guilty. I love dipping as much as you love dipping. I I probably love it more, but we all know you need to quit. I knew I needed to quit even when I didn't want to quit. I mean, frankly, I never wanted to quit. I knew I needed to, but that's easier said than done. You can't just do that to people. Hey, you need to quit. Anyway, good luck. I've never believed in that. If you're going to tell people stuff like that, you're going to give advice like that or direction like that, you better have some solutions. I have a solution. And it's not a nicotine patch you throw on your arm. It's something you can actually put in your lip so you can enjoy that delicious feeling once again. It's called Jake's Mint Chew only it's nicotine-free, it's tobacco-free, it's even sugar-free. They have a bunch of different flavors. Go try it. Go to jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Use the promo code JESSE for 20% off. Oh, man, there is a criminal out there with all kinds of potential. Some 12-year-old jack in cars. Did you see this, Chris? I'm going to get to this story in a while. I love this kid. I mean, yeah, he's probably violent, but I I like the kid a lot. 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessikellyshow.com. We're going to walk through the Soviet Union, and I think I need to set up something else before I get to the rest of our story. When you hear about gulags, there's you can get a different image in your mind than what they were. And when I say that, it's because it's not that they were ever just one thing. It was the entire prison-slash-prison camp-slash-labor camp Soviet system. I will tell you, most of my life, when somebody said something like gulag, I pictured some tall concrete walls with razor wire and Soviet guards walking around with dogs and things like that, Uh, that's a prison. That kind of existed there, but the gulags were more something because they didn't want you in the prison anymore. The gulags were mostly, and they had them all over, don't There's not a mostly, but the gulags were mostly... In the remote parts of the Soviet Union, like Siberia, they could be, it could be in a half a cave. Mostly you need to think of them as camps. Sometimes these gulags were in such remote parts of the Soviet Union, and this is tough for you and I to understand given the world we live in now, they didn't have walls. Why? They didn't need walls. You're not leaving there alive. And we'll get to that later on. You and I can't relate to a country that was totally, I mean, put the, that part of Russia, Siberia, especially then, is so remote. There weren't train tracks. There weren't roads. There's just hundreds of miles of frozen hellscape. They, all they have to do is drop you in a village and you're not going anywhere because there's nowhere to go. You won't live. You'll freeze or starve to death. The gulags can mean anything. And, as you'll find out today, they'll move you from gulag to gulag because it's communist and because it's inefficient and nothing works right because everything's run by the government. They'll ship in a train full of prisoners and and they'll get them over to this particular camp and then the the commandant in charge of the camp and the guards will finally say, Whoa! Whoa! Okay, there's overcrowding, and then there's overcrowding. And they were all overcrowded and horrible. The living conditions were unbearable and subhuman. But sometimes it would get so bad, you couldn't feed the workers enough for them to work. And we'll get to that work here in a second. So they'll build another camp, and then they'll grab some from that camp and ship them to the new camp. You have an understanding now? It's horrible. Now, workers, remember, remember we talked about the, Farmers who would migrate to the cities, the people from the rural areas who were starving and they're migrating to the cities. Stalin didn't want them in the cities, he didn't want the cities overcrowded, didn't want them gobbling up all the food. And if you're a subhuman monster like Stalin, boy, did a solution just present itself. Let's see here. I have these people from the rural areas filling up my cities like Moscow and Leningrad, and I don't want them here, and there's homeless people all over the streets, and it's making communism look bad. And, And I also, wait a minute, I also need a bunch of people to move to the part of Russia where nobody wants to move because it's so miserable because there are tons of natural resources out there. We could farm that land. We could mine that land. We could timber that land. So I have all these people here, and I want a bunch of people here. Why don't I just move them on out? Now come the deportations. Stalin, because this is what communists do. You in the FBI warnings about domestic terrorism here in America now? What communists do is they determine citizens who disagree with the direction of the government are enemies of the state. They are revolutionaries. They are violent. They must be locked up. Not that any of that would ever happen here, right? They start either turning people around, sending them back to the rural areas, or they're deporting them to places like Siberia. What's a way you're going to classify this? How are you going to figure out who to deport and not to deport? They came up with a system for that. They're called passports. This is what you see in the movies when you read about the old Soviet Union or watch these things about the old Soviet Union. You need papers. You have your papers. You're going to cross this checkpoint. You have your papers. What it means is this: He would find the people. The communists would find the people they wanted in the cities. And, of course, there were so many favors you had to do to get this, or you had to have a specific job they wanted you in, and they would give you a passport. And this passport was not just, oh, let me go home and put it in my safe. You keep this passport on you at all times. It's the document that says you are supposed to be here. If you don't have it, you're in very serious trouble. Why are you in such serious trouble? Well... They want to gather up. They have a number of people they want to make sure they've deported, and they're going to achieve that number. What are they going to do to achieve that number? They've already given the, the police force. They've already given them quotas on how many people they have to arrest because you have a certain number you have to send to mine it over there. If they catch you without your passport, without your papers, well, That's an easy way to meet a quota, isn't it? Guess you must be someone else. Guess you shouldn't be here at all. They start issuing the passports. Some people just went into hiding because they knew they wouldn't qualify. Some people, and these are probably the smart ones, even though it meant death for many of them too, some people just self-deported Back to an area where they knew I'd rather be a little hungry there than go somewhere else. Some people just chose to risk it. Whatever you chose, I hope you got out in time. And many, many, many did not. They get snatched up. The police just start arresting people. And arresting people. And arresting people. And this is not... A normal justice system. There is no justice system. There is no court. You're technically supposed to get one, but they would just flat out tell people, just get on the train. You can talk to somebody wherever you're going. Shipping them with horrible conditions. I saw something, Stalin wanted the cities extra clean for May Day. You know that communist holiday far too many of us celebrate? It's Labor Day. It's May Day. He wanted the streets looking really good to make communism look good, so they went on another massive roundup. Now, who are they rounding up? It's not only the rural people, and this is going to be an important part of our story. It's not just the poor farmers. You don't just have a bunch of poor farmer camps out there. Ah, just some, what do you farm, Larry? Wheat? Ah, that's nice, Bob. I was a corn farmer. no. You're rounding up because when you when you determine that you have the authority to deport, enemy quote, enemies of the state and you don't ever really specify who is an enemy of the state and they had six different classifications for who should be deported and it's hilarious. I'm not going to read them because it gets a little wonky, but you read them, any one of them can mean anything. <laughs> I mean, it can mean anything. They do that. Remember, communists do that on purpose. They'll issue these hard and fast rules that can mean anything so it can mean anything. And they do that so it can mean you. So Again, you're not just sending farmers. Maybe I don't like this guy. Maybe I don't like that girl. Maybe I'm enemies with this family. Oh, but there was another element coming along for a ride. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the COVID relief bill. Hang on. Super Beats heart shoes are by far the easiest thing you can do to help take care of your heart and your blood pressure. I know taking care of your health is not fun. Let's let's be honest. I mean, you can brag about your workouts all you want. We'd all rather sleep in and then wake up and eat nine Belgian waffles for breakfast. Taking care of your health is difficult. It means you have to do things you don't want to do, except for Super Beats Heart Shoes. I like Super Beats Heart Shoes, as in it's something I would take even if they weren't so good for me. That's how good these things taste. I prefer the pomegranate berry. I eat two every single night with my dinner. Right after my dinner, I eat them. Go do it. It's good for you. Go to getsuperbeats.com slash jesse. That's get superbeats.com slash Jesse. When you buy two bags, you get the third for free. 877 377 Jesse at jessikellyshow.com. Remember, you can find me on social media at DC on Instagram, Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Locals. More and more of you are signing up to Locals. Remember, the Locals thing, I'm starting to post there more and more, and we'll continue to post there more and more because I can't be banned there. Uh, it has a free thing and a paid thing. Most of my stuff I put on Locals is going to be free. Now, I, I obviously do this to make money. I've never pretended otherwise. I enjoy it, but I do it to make money. But I'm not trying to make money on Locals. That said, I realize there are some people who want to pay and get something exclusive. So if you pay on the Locals thing, I am going to put up you know little videos on there of just me just riffing on an issue, maybe stupid, maybe serious Just because I don't want to feel like I'm cheating people out of money. Does that make sense, Chris? Well, you wouldn't understand that, but anyway. Famine, deportations, passports, you're gathering up a bunch of farmers and you're sending them to the camps, to the gulags, to Siberia, but you're not just gathering farmers. Remember, the police have quotas, so you're gathering everybody. When I say everybody, I mean, there are stories like this. These are true stories. and I would highly recommend, I forget the book, one of the books I read on this, but there's a documentary I browsed last night. It's kind of putting a finishing touch on this. There's a documentary on TV, I forget where it is, about about some part of this story. (sighs) One guy, he invited some friends over for dinner. They're sitting around, a couple beers. Decided they wanted to go for some snacks. Who hasn't done that? Oh, man. I had a couple beers. Let's walk down to the corner store, grab some chips. I had some great chips this week. I didn't need to tell you about that. But don't let me get distracted right now. Let's walk down to the corner store, grab some chips. Sounds good, Bob. Bob never came back. Why didn't Bob come back? Because Bob walked down to the corner store for some chips. And Bob got stopped by the police and asked for his papers. He's just running right down the corner. So just go, get, go, some, go get, get some chips. Where's your passport, Bob? I don't have it. Bob, you're under arrest. Bob left and never came back. No one ever knows what happened to Bob. Oh, there's a worse story. I debated not even telling it to you because the thought of it is just. Ugh. All right, let's get it over with. Mother. Traveling with her 12-year-old daughter. They get to a train station. They get off at the train station. The mother decides to leave her daughter at the train station because she thinks it'll be safer. You stay here. I'm going to go look for bread. I'm going to go look and see if I can't get us some food. I'll come back. Mom takes off. gets some food. Comes back. 12-year-old is gone. Why is she gone? She didn't have papers either. Cops arrested her too. You want to know the environment that 12-year-old is going into? Oh, I'll explain. You see on top of the farmers and the 12-year-old girls and the guys going out for a bag of chips getting on these trains. Remember, remember, this is just a massive cleanup project. Yeah, you want the forced labor to go mine and do timber for you, but the Soviet deportations were also a way to get rid of that criminal element. They had criminals too, real-life criminals. I'm not talking about a petty thief who stole an apple trying to feed his kids for a day. Just like every society does, they had murderers, they had rapists, they had really, really, really bad people there. They're getting on the trains with the 12-year-old girl. They're getting on the trains with the with the man who was heading down for hors d'oeuvres. And they're heading east. Well, they head east. And this is a specific story. There are so many gulag stories. This is a specific one. They head east. Remember, there are no trials. None. You just go east. They get to a camp. Camps are overcrowded, as I've described. Really overcrowded and really overcrowded and really overcrowded. At some point... They decide they're going to be building new camps. They're always building new camps. And the prisoners are building the camps themselves. And they had a whole way they would build the camps or villages. They had a plan they were given. they just throw the people there and give them some tools and give them, you know, enough food to survive. And the first thing you would build would be a hospital and a place to keep clean. Not because they cared about you. Because they wanted to keep you alive so you could do more labor. That kind of thing. So, But it was a process to build these camps. They gather up. And I can't seem to get an accurate number on how many people were here. I've read 13,000. I've read 10,000. I've read 6,000. That's the number that's the most. But these are the people who are about to go into, well, how could you make a gulag worse? Let's go over it. Let's call it 13,000 for the time being. They gather them up, they're shipping them east out of one camp to a different camp. They get to, or about to get to, where the camp is supposed to be, but the camp's not done yet. They haven't really broken ground. There's no place to put them. Well, everything's disorganized, you don't care about these prisoners, about a third of them died on the way, they're starving to death, it's a disaster, you have to put these prisoners somewhere. Only you can't just drop off a truckload of prisoners anywhere because there are Soviet citizens in little Soviet villages around. You can't drop, because there are plenty of criminals in here too. You can't drop all these prisoners off just on the side of the road. You have to find some place to isolate them until you get the camp built. There's a river, a big river. We are in Siberia, right? This is a Siberian river, gold, big river, gold river. And there's a gigantic island in the center of this river. They take these prisoners and they drop them off on the island. Now, I need you to picture this moment. When I say drop them off on the island, there's nothing on the island. You could go look at a picture of it to this day. It's called Nazina Island, or Nazino Island, depending on what spelling. N-A-Z-I-N-O. There's nothing there. It's a big frozen march or wet march. They drop them onto the island, the prisoners, many of whom aren't even fully clothed by this point in time. They have no tools. They have no food. They have no nothing because there's no care from the guards that the prisoners die anyway. You're just trying to survive and earn your paycheck about, well, The the one number I had when I was reading about 6,000 said there were about 4,500 men, about 300 women. Do the math on how that's going to work out. You see, what had already happened on this journey and in the camps is this. They're not all farmers. They're not all guys on a snack run. They're not all 12-year-old girls. You have real-life, dark, dangerous criminals in there. Picture you and your girlfriends and your boyfriends, about 10 of you getting dropped in a supermax prison for violent offenders. That's what you just did on an island with nothing. No buildings, no tools, nothing. They had already been preying on the non-criminal types. When I say preying on them, If you manage to keep any documents or papers on you, they'd kill you for the paper to roll it up with cigarettes. I'm going to, I mean, there's a story I'm going to have to tell you next. I have to tell it to you. It's going to be horrific. I'm never, ever, ever going to do a show. You have to turn off with your kids. Just know this is going to be a little bit uglier. I'll skip most of the things, most of how it went for women. I'll let you use your imagination. But there are guards in these camps and prison gangs in these camps, and these women have no protection at all. It's just terrible. But there is one thing you have to know because, look, you want to know the end result of communism? I'm about to give it to you.
4: Jesse Kelly. Back soon.
0: Hey, Dad, your prescription will be ready in just a minute. Hey, Dad, your laundry will be ready in just a minute.
5: Dad, your lunch will be ready in just a minute.
6: Hey, honey,
7: why don't you take a minute? When you help care for a loved one, you give them as much time as you can, making sure they're safe and comfortable. That's aarp.org slash caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ed Council. Young Democrats like Ben see a lot of promises unkept.
0: They're putting that stimulus check on the back burner, they're putting the minimum wage hike on the back burner, and they're dropping bombs in Syria right now. And those bombs are kind of expensive for a dude who owes me $2,000. <laughs>
7: uh,
3: Chris, what is that bump? We're definitely playing that again on the show. <laughs> It was some Biden voter on CNN, and those bomb. is hilarious. Chris and I were just talking about this in the break. If it sounds like I'm delaying getting to this horrible part of the story, I am. I, I'm, in t- I'm procrastinating. Okay, I, pro- I can procrastinate because I don't want to do it. I feel like I have to do it. I feel an obligation to do it. I don't want to get to this part of the story, but I'll get to it in a second. What's hilarious is everybody woke up a few days ago and saw that we bombed Syria— and there was like five people in the country who were happy about it. It was such a bizarre move. Everyone on the right and left were all like, wait, what? Is it, what? what are we doing? <laughs> Why are we bombing Syria? I mean, I hope there was some kind of vital national security concern in there because that juice was not worth the squeeze. <laughs> Nobody was happy about it. All right. The gangs have taken over. They've taken over before they even got to the island. Real violent men, and this part gets is some is something I have to be careful of. You know, we all I always talk about how we have bubbles, and we have biases, and we have we can get in we can get in these things where we can't see what other people are going through. I sometimes lose focus on the fact that I'm a big dude. I, I, I'm i I'm a dude, and I'm big. I'm 6'8", 230. Chris is a big dude. Chris is 6 feet. Chris goes through life, and he's, in general, not going to really be an appealing target for anybody. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. Look, he doesn't, he doesn't have to just... Lackadaisically ignore everything, but he's the people aren't looking at Chris thinking, Oh man, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's easy prey right there. Let's go beat him up. Let's go do because, in general, he's going to be in the top 30% of people out there that are probably going to be stronger and able to defend themselves in some way. He does. I'm not saying he's an ultimate fighter, but they're easier prey. You're going to see Chris and go, No, we can do better than that. If you're a crook, you're looking at Chris and thinking, I can do better as a dude. I can walk through a dark parking garage. And yes, in case you're wondering, yes, I am always armed. But I can walk through a tall parking garage, armed or unarmed. And if there's a dark element there, if there's a criminal element there of some kind, no, I'm not bulletproof and I'm the furthest thing in the world from the toughest guy on earth. But they're not going to look at me coming at 6'8 and say to themselves, oh yeah, this is the one. They're going to look. And like all predators, they're going to say, well, there's probably easier prey out there. Women don't have that. Small, dainty men out there don't have that. They land on this island, and they throw these people on this island, and it instantly becomes a horror movie. They start eating people. On day one, I'm not talking Donner party held out as long as we can. Let me eat the tree bark first. I mean, day one, they're eating people. The gangs are extorting people. The guards are all sadists. They might be worse than the gangs. They routinely found people with their, oh, I'm not even at the bad part yet, with their faces mutilated. Why? Why? Because people had gold teeth. There was terrible dental work back then. They get gold crowns on their teeth. They would murder you and tear your teeth out just for the money to trade it for more food on the black market. It gets even worse. The guards. The guards. Remember when I said they were sadists? They were bored. They were in charge. There was nothing else to do. Remember that frozen river? They'd go shoot ducks out of the sky and make the prisoners jump in the frozen river to fetch the ducks like dogs. If you were going to be executed for some real or imagined camp violation and it wasn't like there were a lot of rules, they would put you in a boat and make you sing songs crossing the river while they threw breadcrumbs at you before they took you to the other side and shot you and let your body drop in the water. You remember I said they were eating people? The camp had a doctor. Apparently the doctor was well fed. Everyone else is starving to death, or in this Lord of the Flies scenario, just preying on other people, the doctor Could rarely go out without a guard because every time he went out because of his hefty nature, they would yell at him, oh, I bet he tastes good. Look how much meat is on him. You ready for it? One girl. She was, I'm not sure how to put this. The camp guards were the only ones besides the gangs who could provide protection. I've already described what it was like for the women there. Now, women have to survive too. Oftentimes, a woman would. <sighs> this is this is going to be a tough one, Chris. We're, look, we'll get it, we'll get this over with, and we're going to wrap this thing up. We're going to move on to the news of the day. I told you it was going to be a rough day. Hang on.
0: A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council.
3: Eight, seven, seven, three, seven, seven, four, three, seven, three. Jesse at jessikellyshow.com. Let me get this over with. Women would oftentimes allow themselves to be taken in by gangs and or guards. So they would have protection better to have the protection of one than be preyed on by many. One of the guards had taken in a lady. The other guards, the other gangs liked this lady. The guard took some time off. Told the other guards to look out for her while they were gone. They didn't. They took her outside of town. Tied her to a tree. And ate her. They didn't even finish her off. She later died of blood loss. Communism is evil. Are you understanding why I hate it so much? Are you getting it yet? It is evil. This is how it ends. It always ends this way. Stop it before it gets there. I'll put a bow on this in a second. Hang on.
4: Jesse Kelly returns next. This is the Jesse Kelly show. 877-377-4373.
3: Jesse at jessikellyshow.com. Told you it was going to get dark today. I I gave you the PG version. I want you to, and and, and this is me, Tony. I'm giving it to you straight here. I gave you the PG version. They just left these people here for a year. Oh, I didn't even bring up the dysentery. Think about it. People get diseases. You're in a marsh. You're in a marsh. Freezing to death. It was so bad. People would get in the frozen river and lock arms and make a human raft trying to get out. Of course, the guards would shoot them. Or you'd drown. Or you'd freeze to death. And I hope I hope some made it. I hope some made it. Lord willing, you know, you, I hope somebody made it out of there. Speaking of escaping, you know how we talked about there were criminal gangs and then there was the normal people? The criminal gangs, they were in charge, really. Besides the guards, the criminal gangs were in charge. Good to be in charge, not good to not be in charge. If you're one of the non criminal types, as a dude, too, you live in fear, a state of fear, that you'll be preyed on by the criminal types. They'll kill you and eat you. This was, again, as I described earlier, the norm. They'll come after you. they will I mean, for various things, things I'm not going to get into on a family show. One of their favorite tricks was they would recruit you forcefully or just ask you to help with their escape attempt. Hey! Jewish producer Chris, we're going to escape out of here next week. You in? Do you want to join our gang? Nobody will prey on you anymore. You're in our gang. You want to join our gang? Life's good in the gang. Look, you want to survive? Better to be eating than getting eaten. Of course, I'm in, sure. But really what they're doing is they're bringing you along on the escape attempt so they can kill you and eat you whenever they get hungry. I can't get numbers on this. Like I said, I heard everything from 13,000, 11,000, 6,000. I heard a lot of 6,000. Not very many people made it off this island a lot. But you know what hits me most about this story? Not just the evils of communism, not just the horror of how it ends up. What hit me the most about the story is this. This took place in 1933. It's called the Nazino Tragedy or the Nazino Affair, if you're interested in looking up. And let me caution you again. I gave you the PG version, and when I say that, I mean that. If you pull up pictures of this, uh, it's also known as Cannibal Island, of some of the things that took that went on in the gulags, this one and other ones, when it comes to that cannibal stuff and stuff like that, you're going to see things that I'm not willing to describe for you on the radio. Yeah, Chris, I told you not to do it. Definitely don't do it on the company computer, man. Chris is going to get us all fired. It's really bad, so let me caution you on that. But you know what hit me? The thing that hit me about this was this took place in 1933. Do you know when we found out about this? 1988. 1988. That was when we finally had some of the documentation of this incident declassified. One, this is the one we had documentation of. How many, many incidents like this happened and never got recorded or the records were destroyed? Two, headline from the Post Millennial. New York Times falsely claims last year's BLM violence was misinformation. It's not necessarily about this specific thing, the New York Times or BLM or any of that. The length communists go to bury the truth may be the worst part about communism. It might be the worst part about communism, because once this incident happened, and don't get me wrong, there were people within the Soviet system who got in trouble for how bad the conditions turned out to be on this island. Think how horrible it has to be for the communists to look and go, oh gosh, you let them live like that? Now, don't get me wrong. There wasn't any real serious trouble, but oh, you should have had the camp built in time. It was more just an inefficiency problem, not an actual care about the people problem. But 1933 to 1988, the information doesn't come out. Control of information is everything. What you read, what you see, you can present enti- you can present lies to people. And then repeat the lies over and over and over and over again. They have these people repeat the lies. Then these people will jump on the train and repeat the lies. And they're lying and they're lying and they're lying and they're lying. And soon everything you see is lies and people will believe them. How many gigantic lies out there do people believe that have no basis in reality?
8: Ideological subversion is, is the slow process, which we call either ideological subversion, or active measures, in the language of of the KGB, or psychological warfare. What it basically means is to change the perception of reality of every American to such an extent that despite of the abundance of information, no one is able to come to sensible conclusions in the interests of defending themselves, their families, their community and their country. the enemy. In other words, Marxism-Leninism ideology is being pumped into the soft heads of, of, of at least three generations of American students without being challenged or counterbalanced by the basic values of Americanism, American patriotism. The demoralization process in the United States is basically completed already uh, for the last 25 years. Actually it's over fulfilled because uh, demoralization now reaches such areas where previously, not even Comrade Andropov and, and all his experts would, would even dream of such a tremendous success. Most of it is done by Americans to Americans, thanks to lack of moral standards. As I mentioned before, uh, exposure to true information does not matter anymore. A person who was demoralized is unable to assess true information. The facts tell nothing to him. Uh, Even if I shower him with information, with, with authentic proof, with documents, with pictures. Even if I take him by force to the Soviet Union and show him concentration camp, he will refuse to believe it.
3: What do we do with the people who refuse to believe it? Let's be honest where we are right now. We are in a place where half the country hates the country. Now, that, that's that's actually bad and good news. That sounds dark. Half the country hates the country. That's true. But remember, you're not a tiny minority. Half the country still loves the country, too. That's the great news. That's why I keep telling you to move to red states, red areas, Balkan, as you have ton, millions of people out there who think just like you, want what you want. What can be done now? How far down the road are we? Let's take a minute and talk about this. I'm going to get to your emails. I'm going to get to your reviews. We, <laughs> I'll get to this COVID bill. Hang on.
4: Truth. Attitude. Jesse Kelly.
3: Superbeats heart shoes. They don't taste like beets. I have people yelling at me, Jesse, Jesse, you should, you should love the taste of beets. They're the best. No, they're not. They're absolutely detestable. And when I had a buddy, because, look, heart problems and blood pressure problems run in my family, so I had a buddy bring up Super Beets heart shoes to me. I blew him off, laughed in his face. I'm not eating anything that tastes like beets. I don't care how good they are for you. I can't even smell beets. You know, I did that whole thing. Man, was I misguided. These things don't taste anything like beets, and they're so good for you. They even have grapeseed extract now, completely natural. Put away the pill bottle. There are natural solutions to keeping yourself healthy. Go to getsuperbeets.com slash jesse. That's getsuperbeets.com slash jesse. When you buy two bags, you get the third bag
4: absolutely free. Jesse Kelly back soon
3: you can find me on social media at jesse kelly dc twitter instagram facebook i'm on locals How far down the road are we for the percentage of country that hates the country? You see, once once you get to a certain point, like you just heard the great Yuri Bezmenov said in that clip that we played for you a thousand times, once you get to a certain level, you can't be deprogrammed, You can't have your mind changed, whatever way you want to put it. Once something is so ingrained in you, it becomes who you are. How far down that road are we? What do we do with the people who are too far gone? I don't know that there's a fix for that. I don't know there's a fix for it. I mean that, and that's why I talk so much And people thought, they thought initially it's the best. People thought initially I was just being nuts for the sake of ratings or something. But I was dead serious and I'm still dead serious. That's why I talk so much about a national divorce. I just simply do not think it can be fixed. You're never going to hear me cheer for divorce. Never going to hear me judge anybody either. Divorce happens. It's It's part of life. But... What we are right now as a country is, like I said, we are, I've told it before, and I'd say it again, we are the dude who wants to live in the suburbs and raise their kids married to the woman who wants to quit her job, give the boys up for adoption, and travel the world doing heroin with a rock band. There's not, There's not a middle ground there. If she wanted to live, you know, maybe in the city instead of the suburbs, but still raise the kids. Okay, you have something in common. She wants to live in the suburbs, but she wants to work. She doesn't want to work, and he disagrees. Okay, that's a normal marriage disagree. You have something in common. He spends too much. She wants to save. Okay, that's an argument. You have something in common. No, she wants to go do heroin with the rock band and give the kids up for adoption. There's no middle ground. There's no middle ground. If you, if a big enough percentage of America hates America, and no matter what I do or say, or no matter what you do or say, you can't make them love it, What? where does that leave us? Where does that leave us? It leaves us with divorce. Because I won't hate this place. Uh, all the talk over the weekend, all the talk over the weekend was about Oprah sat down with the the Royals, Harry and Meghan. And I don't care about the Royals. I, I realize a lot of you do. There's something about royalty. I believe it's in human nature. People really want a king. They look up to royalty. They they want one. They want a king and queen. We just don't want to admit it. We certainly don't want to admit it here. But the TV ratings say you care about the Royals. You listen to me, so the chances of you caring are a lot less than the general population. But in general, people care about the Royals, and Oprah's a billionaire. I obviously didn't watch it. I'm not going to waste a single second of my time watching that gutter trash. But you know what? The only thing that hit me about it, speaking of all this anti-American stuff, what a perfect trio. You have royalty, British royalty. And now an actress that marries into British royalty. Some B-list actress nobody's ever heard of marries into British royalty. And you have Oprah, billionaire woman, billionaire with a B. Oprah, I don't know if this is still the case, at one point in time, had a helicopter that would take her around Chicago to and from her shows and back to her home. I'm not making this up. There was a helicopter pad. Chris, look it up. Maybe Maybe it still exists. Maybe you can see pictures of this. A helicopter pad on one of the Chicago skyscrapers, specifically for Oprah to go to and fro. Oprah's constantly complaining about America. America's racist, America's evil, America's this and that. Harry and Megan constantly complaining. Here are my struggles. Here's a this is terrible. The royal family treated me here. Oprah, America sucks. I thought I thought that was a great example of what we're going through now. We have so many people who who bathe in luxury, bathe in it. Oprah bathes in luxury. There's nothing Oprah wants that Oprah cannot have. And looks around and hates the place that gave her the opportunity. Evil, racist, so on and so forth. Hates it. Hates it. Think about that. Chris said she's worth three point five billion. Think about that. Do you? Want, I've told you this story before. You know what rich people like that do. You and I can't relate to this. And honestly, I hope I can't. I hope I can never relate to this because I don't think I don't think your mind will start, will keep being healthy. But I know a story about a very 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 famous media person who you would absolutely know if I was to drop this person's name. He would travel. With a personal assistant. And I, this is not a rumor. I know this story for a fact. He would travel with a personal assistant. And the pers- part of the personal assistant's job was shopping for him. Getting him things he wanted. And this media person who you would know was in Arizona. I know because I was with his staff at the time in Arizona hanging out. The media person just decided on a whim. I believe it was over lunch. I forget when. But the media person decided... We walked by the shop last time we were in New York City and there were these shoes on display. Man, you know what? I just decided I want them. Looks at his personal assistant in Arizona and says, go get them for me. Personal assistant was on a plane a couple hours later flying back to New York City. Found the shop, bought the shoes, flew them back to Arizona for this media person. That's the kind of life these people live. You and I will never be able to relate to that. And I'm not begrudging them that. I I, I don't want it for myself, like I I said, because I know I'm a sociopath. I don't want access to that kind of money and power. But imagine having that, having that, and hating it. Hating the country that gave you the opportunity. Hating the chances it's given you. That's what we have in America. You and I, just normal people, not Oprah, not Harry and Meghan, not Oprah, normal people, you and I have access to more wealth and blessings than you can possibly comprehend. Like I've said a million times, the average American is 20 or 30 feet away, max, from endless supplies of clean drinking water all day every day you have clean drinking water right beside you and you'll go and use it a thousand times and never think about the fact people all over the world today will lay down and die because they didn't have access to one glass of it one glass of it so what i'm saying is if we've gotten to a place where half the country hates it, and no matter how many times you and I tell them these truths, they won't love it, they won't appreciate it, how far along are we? How can we put that band back together? I say it cannot be put back together. I say it is not possible. Oprah can't have any more examples of life being perfect to make her think America's great. You are what you are at that point in time. Harry and Meghan, British royalty, life of luxury. Oprah, here are my tales of woe. I didn't feel. I didn't feel accepted. Oh, shut up. Go back to your mansion. I don't think we can patch it together. And I'll tell you something else. I don't think we should. I think it's too far gone. I think the wife is already gone on the heroin tour, and I'm raising the kids. We're going to talk to Michael Malice about this. Are we too far gone? You know Malice will have a take. Hang on. Jake's Mint Chew will help you quit. I, I'm ashamed to say this. Maybe I shouldn't be. I needed help to quit because I didn't want to quit. I never woke up one day and thought to myself, man, you know what? I loved dipping tobacco for a long time, but now I hate it. I never got to that point. I just knew I had to quit. And so I tried to fill the void. You know what you do? Nicotine gum, nicotine patches. I actually smoked cigarettes. That's great. Sunflower seeds, chewing gum. My jaw almost fell off. I was chewing it so much. Nothing works like Jake's Mint Chew. Jake's Mint Chew, sugar-free, tobacco-free, nicotine-free, tons of different flavors. Try their CBD pouches, and it works. Go to jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Promo code JESSE gets you 20% off. i anxious to hear from Malice on this one. Michael Malice, host of Your Welcome, joins us now. Michael, I got a question. My, my only take on the Royals-Oprah thing, I didn't watch it, I'm not going to watch it, was I was doing a broader point about Americans living a life of luxury and hating the place. And if half the country thinks like that, how do we patch it back up? Because half the country does think like that. Americans don't think about having running water. They just don't have any appreciation for it.
5: I'm don't. i going to be a little pedantic, but I think you'll agree with me. I don't think they think like that. They're just dutifully repeating what the people on the screens tell them. And what those 50% uh, repeat is of no real relevance, because if people that you approved of or if I approved of were the ones running the culture, they'd be repeating those things with just as much fervor and verbatim. So I don't think these 50% are of any relevance. Uh, they're just, you know, it's like, it's, it's like if you go to a a store and there's one TV repeating the news, right. Or a hundred TVs are on the same channel. It's effectively the same. There's one broadcast. That's how you have to look at all these people. It's just one broadcast with many, many mouths.
3: Okay. So I agree to your point. What percentage matter? Who does matter? And what do the people that matter have to say in this country?
5: Uh, I think the people that matter are probably going to be two percent, and that's going to be extremely uh, generous. Uh, those are the ones who create public opinion. Those are the ones who move the needle. Uh, the artists, the writers, the pundits, the journalists, the academics, the politicians to a lesser extent. Um, and. It's just a matter of basically having the right people with the right ideas in the right position. I mean, the, the cathedral, you know, the, the organizations basically that inform public opinion, they've had a big head start. They've been at this since the early 1900s. But it's very, very hard to maintain a narrative and a history that is increasingly based on propaganda and brazen propaganda. I just tweeted right before we got on the phone The Wall Street Journal had a big headline. That anti Pfizer vaccine, all these anti vaccine stuff is linked to Russian disinformation. And when you, so you see this headline, and you and I know people on Facebook who are just going to be repeating this. Oh, you don't, you you don't want to get sick from the vaccine. That's just Russian disinformation. You look in the article, it names the four outlets. Two of them I couldn't even find with a Google search. One has long been banned from Facebook and Twitter, and one has 24,000 Twitter followers. That's not nothing, but to say that this generates a headline as opposed to the headline being some random Russian sites that are known to be Russian sites are printing BS on the Internet about a vaccine. That's not an article, but they're trying to program the population and they're doing it decreasingly successfully.
3: Michael, as you know, I don't I don't know how much you joined me in this quest, but I've been wanting America to get a divorce for some time. I just think we have. Well, no,
5: well, 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 no, 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 no. I have to interrupt you. What? I was first. <laughs> I had the art, I have the receipt. No, 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 no. Don't play this. I know you came out after me. So you were talking to the O.G. here. It was either <laughs> okay. April or May of 2015. Uh, the case for secession in The Observer. Oh, perfect. Oh, that's wonderful. Then you're right here in line.
3: Perfect. Okay, well, that leads me to my next question. As you and I are both champions of national divorce, why shouldn't I be happy that COVID is making us balkanized the way I've wanted? People are flocking to Florida. They're flocking to Texas. As the blue states continue to press down and get worse, we are separating in a peaceful manner, which is what I've always wanted and clearly what you've always wanted. Why
5: shouldn't I be happy about this? Because you have to look at these people who are moving as carrying pathogens, which are the nefarious ideas that cause these headaches to begin with. They're not moving from these states. Some of them are, but it's a mix. Many people aren't moving from these states with a set of convictions, with a state of, oh, these ideas that we implemented in New York and California are nefarious and are the cause of these horrible things. They're moving because it's terrible here. It's cheaper and better there, and we have to make it politically like where we left. And you see this as uh, – Kristen Tate wrote an article, a book about this, about internal migration and how that's going to mess things up for the red states. So that is the issue. They're not separ- separating uh, based on ideology. They're just fleeing their disasters and bringing the disasters ideology with them. Okay. How, how?
3: Look, I've said that too. I, I worry about Texas too. I, I worry about that. But how sure are we? They're not changing their ideology. Somewhat on the way. You know what I mean? It's. I, I don't know. I don't think these people are looking in the mirror and saying, "Well, this is my fault for voting for communists. I'm going to change my ways." But I think there's got to be some taint on the Democrat
5: rows as they leave, right? Who, Who do you think is not voting for communists when everyone's getting a check from the government? Oh, gosh, you're right. Right. I mean, this is this is nonsensical. I mean, I was talking to Stu Berger, who I'm sure you're friends with from the blaze. And I go, you're telling me with a straight face, you can vote for fiscal responsibility, whatever that word even means anymore. And he goes, no, he's like, I'm not even going to pretend that there's any pretext that either the parties care about budget or economics. It's just the printer goes burr and everyone gets a check. And that is commie crap.
3: Okay, how does that debt crisis- You know what, even
5: during the Great Depression, you know, where it really hit the fan, was it 25% unemployment? Yep. People were, not everyone was getting a check. I mean, this they're, they're to the left of FDR during the Depression where he had a reason to be handing out checks to everybody, where people really were were starving and hungry and there was no prospect of a job. <sighs>
3: How does the debt crisis end? I get asked about it a lot because I'm one of the only people that talks about debt out there. There are like five of us who talk about the debt because it's boring. People don't care. The numbers are so big they don't mean anything to the human mind. How does it end? How does it crash? What's it look like?
5: There's a few ways. One is that it goes fine. Uh, I mean, Japan has more debt than us, and they're not exactly you know imploding as a society. They have problems, but it's not Mad Max. So we the thing is, like you said, the numbers are so big. We, I don't think either of us, or and I'm sure every economist has a different uh, number, what number is too much of a debt to have? Yeah. And we might think, you know the same amount as GDP, but we don't really know that. I mean, as long as people are willing to buy the debt, we still have some rope to hang ourselves with.
3: Oh, good, good. So the crash <laughs> will be even bigger at the end. That is yes. that is really great news.
5: Yeah, yeah. So I mean that that's the situation. I'm not wor- more worried about the debt. I'm more worried about the authoritarianism, um, and the what's happening in our public schools with the kids. I mean, if you were worried about debt being the future of this country economics, I'm more worried about what our children are being raised to believe.
3: Agreed. But isn't that something we're actually winning on right now too? Not necessarily the ideological battle, but people were leaving. They're going private. They're going homeschool They're just they're leaving because of all this. That COVID's been great for a couple of things. That and women leaving the workforce. This thing's working out great.
5: Amen to everything you just said. It, the problem has never come close to being solved, and it still remains as as long as there are any of these kids in these child prisons. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be remaining concerned, and as long—and you're seeing just one more, one more white pill for your audience—state by state now introducing bills where the money follows the student instead of the money following the school. And that's exactly how the system has to be. The money should follow the student instead of uh, um, funding organizations that do nothing or have deleterious effects on these children's futures.
3: When is your book coming out? I'm tired of getting emails of people asking me about your book coming out. People want this thing. How long does it take to write a book?
5: Uh, the anarchist handbook is going to come out first, and and that's going to be out within a couple months.
3: Okay, the anarchist handbook. Okay, yeah. All right, give it. Give, give us a. Give us a little teaser.
5: Well, it's just basically a a, um, a collection of essays from all the great historical anarchists, and I think it's going to open a lot of people's eyes about the uh, the beauty of reputing the government in all its forms and not being a communist like yourself.
3: With your crazy anarchy ideology.
5: Michael Malice, everybody. Thank you, brother. Always a pleasure, Jesse. Bye-bye.
3: We have emails, Chris. You know, I'm going to get to an Ask Dr. Jesse email or two here, and you... You need to think about tech school for your kids. Why? Oh, I have an email about that, too. And we have Medal of Honor Monday. I'm going to do Medal of Honor Monday in 15 minutes. We've got a lot left. Hang on.
4: something there's a podcast get it on demand wherever podcasts are found the jesse kelly show
6: your daughter doesn't want to talk about why her room is a horrible mess your son doesn't want to talk about why he's wearing mismatching socks your spouse doesn't want to talk about their bad haircut families don't have to talk about everything but they should talk to plan for an emergency. Pack basic supplies in a go-bag. Water, canned food, flashlights, batteries, medical supplies, IDs, and some cash. Talk about where you'll meet in case you lose one another. And of course, don't forget to pack the dog treats. Talk to your family and make an emergency plan. Go to nyc.gov readyny or call 311 to make your family's emergency plan. Brought to you by New York City Emergency Management and the Ad Council.
7: remember, vaccine passports or even vaccine requirements do depend on access. It's hard to impose anything unless you are pretty sure that somebody can get a vaccine. So I think it'll be a little while before we see this, let's say, within the U.S. But there are going to be communities and areas of the country where it starts to make sense due to high availability of vaccine to say, you want to come back to work in person, got to show me a vaccine certificate, you want to go in a bar, a restaurant, gotta show me a vaccine certificate. I think there will be some inequality in the U.S., but hopefully it will wash out quickly as the supplies increase very rapidly, and I think they're going to. It also gives you an incentive to overcome vaccine hesitancy. Some people are not sure still whether they wanna do the vaccine, but if you promise them more mobility, more ability to get a job, more ability to get travel, that's a very powerful incentive to actually achieve fuller vaccination.
3: Oh, don't worry. We're never going to have those internal passports here like at the beginning of the show. That, that can never happen here in the West, right? If you missed any part of the Jesse Kelly show, it's all going to be podcasted after the show is done on iHeart, Google, Spotify, on iTunes, on iTunes, leave a five-star rating, leave a review. Talking about how handsome I am. We have new ones. This one's titled, Jesse is Handsome. Very simple, Chris. It just says, Jesse's show is the best to listen to because he's so handsome. See, Chris, to the point. This one's titled, hell yeah. Jesse, you're the most narcissistic and least humble uh, person I've ever had to speak to or work. Speak. uh, I don't know. Can't say that. It's a bad sentence. You handsome, magnificent man, you. The history start of the show is definitely a welcome change from the norm. Keep on keeping on. Handsomest radio host in the business, Chris. A show from the U.S.'s number one historian, Jesse Kelly, Dr. Shogun Kelly, <laughs> uses his extensive knowledge of everything to educate his audience on history and what those dirty commies are up to. This one's titled, I Love Chocolate. Jesse has chocolate kisses for eyeballs. <laughs> And it makes you want to grab some warm melted chocolate and smear it all over his face while he tells you about the atom bomb. <laughs> this one's Ted my husband is concerned. Who is this man talking to his wife every day? After a long day at work, I like to pour my husband a glass of bourbon and tell him everything Jesse Kelly taught me that day. Jesse teaches me everything about history that I ignored in high school. And Jesse is even more attractive than Andrew Cuomo. (laughs) You savages. Remember, Jesse at jessiekellyshow.com. Email me your love, your hate, your death threats, your ask Dr. Jesse questions. I told you I'm going to start sprinkling in one or two of those throughout the week just because we're getting so many now and I'm not getting to them all. This one's titled, Oh, handsome and hilarious one. I'm the OIC, that's officer in charge, of a chaplain detachment about to redeploy home from our mission to Kuwait. All that's left for us to do is eat, sleep, and watch the clock tick-tock and smoke cigars till we leave Kuwait in the dust. I'm very proud of my team for a job well done. Our success was in very large part and thanks to our great 56Ms, religious affairs specialists, Big Cam, and Aquaman. These past 9 months I have set my alarm to 0205 hours to get my JK fixed. I'm eager to get back to Richmond, Texas to family and my canine wonder dog Flip, who certainly thinks I'm dead. He spent the first he spent the first month he spent the first month I was never going to leaving the entry door. Hold on. I am also eager to get back to listening to you on my backyard deck I built before deploying. At least at home I won't have to get out of my fart sack for my history and laughter fix. So my question, this isn't my first deployment, but I would like your advice on having a happy reunion, not just for myself, but for my teammates as well. Thanks and blessings. Jesus and I are your biggest fans, Joe. I don't know if Jesus is, Joe, but thank you for yours. Uh, Happy reunions on deployments are tough. And here's why they're tough obviously it's a happy moment right you love your wife you love your kids you love your family you love your everything but you have been living separately for so long and they've been living separately for so long that you're not you're not in sync anymore you get in sync and like you 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 know these couples that have you know, we've been married for 40 years it's more than just finishing these other sentences they can do whole days without communicating because they're just life goes that way he's taking out the trash at this time she's doing this she's doing that. they just they're in sync in that way you're now officially out of sync and when you're gone when you're on deployment You, you know, your dime of a wife back home, you're thinking about only the best of her. Because you just can't wait to get back home. And she's doing the same thing with you. She's thinking of only the best of you. She can't wait to have you come home. Patience is the key. Because you're going to get back home, and it's going to be happy and perfect for about five minutes. Hang on, I'm not quite done yet. I'll explain 868773774373 Jesse at jessikellyshow.com. Just remember, tell your teammates, and I hope the spouses back home are doing the same. Be happy, enjoy it, and just be patient. You'll get back in sync again, but it takes time. You you form this image of somebody once you've left them. That isn't necessarily real. You forget about the warts. You forget about the annoying things. And then they get extra annoying. Because they're not this perfect person. You've created in your mind anymore. Oh, He's going to step off the plane. As this Greek god. Who doesn't snore at night. Because you haven't thought about the snoring. No he still snores. He's still snoring. She's never going to talk during the movies. Because you haven't thought about her talking. During the movies anymore brother. She's going to talk during the movies. And then she's going to get lost during the movie. And then you're going to have to pause it during the movie to catch her up on the same story you've just... Look, it's International Women's Day. We can be honest about these. All right. It is time. It is time for a Medal of Honor Monday. I love this one. Hang on. We have Jim Hansen coming up in 30 minutes. He's got a new book out about another civil war. Yikes. We'll find out what Jim Hansen has to say. It's an Ask Dr. Jesse Monday, apparently. No, I'm kidding. It's not. But I'm doing a couple Ask Dr. Jesse questions just because we have so many. But first, it's Medal of Honor Monday time. I'm a bad person. I've never pretended otherwise. We don't do any good on this show at all. I haven't even gotten any stories yet today. I'm going to. I'm going to, Chris. But one good thing we do all week is we do Medal of Honor Monday. Every Monday we read a Medal of Honor citation. The only way these men and their deeds get remembered is if we read them. Just knowing they exist is not remembering it. We should read them. And Mr. William G. Harrell of my beloved United States Marine Corps deserves one for what he did on March 3rd, 1945. For conspicuous gallantry and intrepidity at the risk of his life above and beyond the call of duty as leader of an assault group attached to the 1st Battalion, 28th Marines, 5th Marine Division during hand-to-hand combat with enemy Japanese at Iwo Jima Volcano Islands on 3rd of March, 1945. Standing watch alertly, with another marine in a terrain studded with caves and ravines sergeant harrell was holding a position in a perimeter defense around the company command post when japanese troops infiltrated our lines in the early hours of dawn awakened by a sudden attack he quickly opened fire with his carbine and killed two of the enemy as they emerged from a ravine in the light of a star shell burst unmindful of his of his danger as hostile grenades fell closer He waged a fierce lone battle until an exploding missile tore off his left hand and fractured his thigh. He was vainly attempting to reload the carbine when his companion returned from the command post with another weapon. Wounded again by a Japanese who rushed the foxhole wielding a saber in the darkness, Sergeant Harrell succeeded in drawing his pistol and killing his opponent and then ordered his wounded companion to a place of safety. Exhausted by profuse bleeding, but still unbeaten, he fearlessly met the challenge of two more enemy troops who charged his position and placed a grenade near his head. Killing one man with his pistol, he grasped the sputtering grenade with his good right hand and, pushing it painfully towards the crouching soldier, saw his remaining assailant destroyed, but his own hand severed in the explosion. At dawn, Sergeant Harrell was evacuated from the position, hedged by, body, hedged by the bodies of 12 dead Japanese, at least five of whom he personally destroyed in his self sacrificing defense of the command post. His grim fortitude, exceptional valor, and indomitable fighting spirit against almost insurmountable odds reflect the highest credit upon himself and enhance the finest traditions of the U.S. Naval Service. Now you know why we read those every single Monday. What a beast. What a beast. Senate passes $1.9 trillion COVID relief bill. House Democrats plan final approval on Tuesday. There's all kinds of garbage in here. It's not exactly surprising. There's just all kinds of garbage in here. Democrat giveaways, so on and so forth. And there's a reason I'm not going off about it today. There's a reason I'm not screaming about it today. In fact, there are two reasons. One, as I've said a million times, people don't care about the debt. It's not your fault. It's not because people are bad or stupid. The numbers are so big, you can't wrap your mind around them. And... We've never experienced a, most people alive today have never experienced any kind of a debt crisis of any kind, especially a national one. You, you've been through a couple recessions by now, but I'm not, I'm talking real crisis. So you can't make it real for somebody when you've never experienced something. You you can't make it real. It'd be like me telling you, uh, you're going to be attacked by a swarm of pterodactyls on the way home today. I mean, it's that unreal. You've never experienced it. No one you know's ever experienced it. So I'm not going to go off on it. $1.9 trillion is an absurd amount of money. We just continue to throw these numbers on there as if trees grow to the sky. They do not. There will be an end. It will hurt. It will hurt really, really badly. But that's that's fine. And the second reason I'm not going off on this today, I see all these Republicans out there. I mean all of them. Railing against this is unconscionable. This is terrible. This is should have been. De- de- de-. Republicans all voted for the last one. Not all of them, actually, to be fair, but most Republicans voted for the last one. About the same amount of money. Don't do that thing now where you're not in power anymore. And now you want a good, clean bill with just money for the people. I care about the people. Check out my fundraising email. Help Congressman Joe Blow go back to Congress and fight this spending. Where were you during the last spending bill? Yeah, Chris, where were you during the last four? You were sitting right there voting for it. Oh, but Jesse, the Democrats are worse. Yeah, I know, bud. I I know. I know they're worse. That's why we're all stuck voting for Republican every election, because Democrats are worse. But don't don't send me your fundraising emails. Don't send me your text messages. Ah, Jesse, help Senator Jerkwater fight Democrat spending. Buddy, I am not a dog. I have a memory that lasts longer than seven minutes. I remember what you just spent years doing. I demand better. Headline, 12-year-old arrested for four carjacking incidents in Washington, D.C. All four incidents happened in the span of an hour. The incidents began around 6.30 p.m. when a rideshare driver picked up a customer that was approached by two suspects. One of the suspects pointed a gun at him from the driver's side door, ordered him to get out of the vehicle. According to an incident report, the other sub- a suspect grabbed the victim's phone, whatever. 12-year-old. 12 years old, four carjackings in an hour. I understand this is probably an extremely misguided young man. Not on the best path in life. However, hear me out. Hear me out, Chris. I'm not supposed to see potential there. I have a 12-year-old. Pretty independent kid. We've raised them that way. Uh, he takes too long to tie his shoes. Twelve years old, four carjackings in one hour. Tell me why, and I'm not even kidding about this. I'm not even. I'm, I'm not. I'm not being tongue in cheek. Tell me why we shouldn't have some kind of youth military preparation program to take a young man with potential like that in. And I'm not saying, I'm not doing the give a second chance thing. I'm not saying that. But why not see if we can't help each other out? He can help out a nation. This is the type of child with the proper direction that can do great things, especially militarily great things. You're Look, you're calm enough behind a weapon at 12 years old to jack four cars in the span of an hour I think with the proper guidance, you could be somebody who could travel abroad and kill commies on behalf of America, right? Why don't we have a help each other out situation? Our nation is always looking for more men, good men. There's enough watered-down crap out there. You come in with the promise of an extended military service of some kind at the back end. You help us out. We're going to help you turn your life around. I think this is something we should do. 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessikellyshow.com. What say you? Hang on. Super Beats Heart Chews becomes part of your daily routine. I eat two Super Beats heart chews every single day. It's just part of what I do. I eat mine with dinner. I'm not telling you when you have to eat yours. And they taste so good. I eat the pomegranate berry. They taste so good. You'll look forward to it. You'll look forward to it. Mine, it's my dessert every single night. You have to take care of your heart. You have to take care of your blood pressure. High blood pressure. Heart problems, they are part of the Kelly family existence. So I even have to take extra steps. Super Beats Heart Shoes, they allow me to take a step that's natural. You know how much I hate pills, how much I hate pill bottles. Go to getsuperbeats.com slash jesse. That's getsuperbeats.com jesse. When you buy two bags, you get the third
4: free. Jesse Kelly. On air and online at jessekellyshow.com.
3: It is Jesse the Shogun Kelly. Shut up, Chris. I have to to go by these nicknames I made for myself. (laughs) See this one? See this one? Remember what I've been telling you about getting your kids out of government schools? And you know how I've been talking about colleges? And sending your kids to college. Your kid has to go to college. Go to college. You better go to college. Please go to college. Go to college. And I keep saying, why? Are you sure? You want them to go to college for them to have a better life? Or do you want them to go to college so you can tell friends and family they went to college? You understand what they're teaching your child at college now, right? American universities across the country. Tell me specifically, why do you want them to go to college? Now, if you have, if they have some particular goal that requires a degree, Totally get it. But why is go to college a goal? That's the dumbest goal. I, I You know how many college students? We had a guy fill in for Jewish producer Chris once. Not that Chris ever takes a day off. But we did have a guy fill in for him one time. He allowed me to tell the story on the air. But he was, this is before the show got nationally syndicated. I mean, this is when, I think this is when I was doing an hour at 7 o'clock at night. And he wasn't, he wasn't you know, my producer. He just kind of filled in that day. He was a catch-all. He ran, the, he ran the radio boards and stuff like that in the station. Just a normal guy. His parents had told him that his whole life. Go to college. You have to go to college. Why We go to college? Go to college. You have to go, go to college. Everyone goes to college. He went to college. He was a board op. I believe he was making $15 an hour. I may have that wrong. Not even that, Chris. Okay, never mind. He wasn't even making $15 an hour. 26, I think. 24, 25, 26. He had $100,000 in college loan debt. $100,000. Oh, but go to college, right? That's That worked out well. Go to a trade school. Guide your children, if they're at all inclined, to go to a trade school. Go be an electrician, a plumber, an HVAC guy. Go be an x-ray technician. Go look into your options with almost no debt at an early age, working a good job for good pay. You're going to have that wife sooner rather than later and be, be able to afford those kids sooner rather than later. Oh, we can't buy a house till I'm 35. Email. A two-year production tech degree will land a 90000 per year job without pulling overtime. The last four years, I've made between one hundred ninety-five and $235,000, but I'm an OT beast. Obviously, that means overtime. I'll tell you, this is a man... This is not a man who even owns his own company. I was telling you about these trades and then eventually starting your own company if you want. Understand you can have an amazing life without ever starting your own company. And the overtime pay you can get at these jobs, absurd. I had a plumber come out, look at one of my pipes during that big Texas freeze not long ago. I had It wasn't a big deal. I had a copper sprinkler line blow. I had everything else wrapped up right. I thought I had this one wrapped up right, but apparently I screwed that up. But... It had blown. I couldn't find the part. I I couldn't quite get it apart. Called a plumber. One hour of work. Actually, about 45 minutes. $525. Chemical plants and refineries are hiring all the time. That was the end of the email. It says I can say his name. His name is Bob. The amount of emails I get like this. And you know what? You know what? I want your emails. Like, If this is your job or you have a friend or relative who has experience like this, if you have a story about this, working in the trades with a nice living, whether you started your own business or not, send it to me. Jesse at jessikellyshow.com. Jesse at jessikellyshow.com. I am not telling you if your kid wants to be a dentist, don't send them to college. Obviously, that's a requirement. If you are sending your child, who you supposedly care about, off to the university out to figure out what they want to do so you can go to the neighborhood party and have a beer and say, "Ha Billy got into Harvard, feeling pretty good about it, while Billy's up there learning about how much America sucks and the, great, and the greatness of communism, shame on you and i understand why parents used to do it because universities didn't used to be this bad and it was such a it was such a different time and that was a mark of having made it right he got into college lots of people aren't even going to college my son got into college set that thinking aside that's old thinking now remove your child from the hands of the communists remove him remove her you control their eyes and ears as much as possible and I realize once they graduate high school they're gone. you're not going to technically control anything you don't have to throw them to the wolves you don't have to pick them up and chuck them into the gorilla enclosure at the zoo. you've seen what happens at these universities. Forgetting about the outright Chinese spies that that the Trump administration was arresting. Full-out Chinese spies teaching your kids at multiple American universities. That's just the overt ones. How many of them are teaching about communism that aren't even Chinese spies? Just good old-fashioned America-hating professors. Pull your kid out of that. Unless your kid has a specific reason to be there, keep them away from it. You don't need to do that to them. There are options. And I'll say this, HVAC, plumbing, electrical, you're moving around lots of the time. Yeah, it sounds nice to sit at a desk all day. I'm going to sit at a desk. Somebody adjust the AC. Let's just be honest with each other. Sitting is like the worst thing in the world for you. It's worse than smoking. Move. Live a longer, healthier life with a healthier heart. Get up and move all day. It's a better existence. I mean, just the thought of this. You can be 20, 21 years old. Making 60, 70, 80, $90,000 a year. Oh my gosh. I think when I was 20 or 21 years old, Chris, I'm not making this up. I think I made like $18,000 a year, something like that. I'm not making that up. Man, that's a great life. Talk about setting them up for a life of happiness, a life of success. You can go the small business route. And remember, I know plenty of poor people, plenty of rich people. The majority of the rich guys I own, are, or I know, are not college graduates. They are guys who either they did this route, the trade route, and started their own business, or worked in a restaurant for a long time and started their own restaurant. Then it became a restaurant chain. Started own little shops. Started this. Started that. These are the guys who make all the wealth. If you're if if you're sending little Billy to college to Air Fingers, quote, make money. Maybe you're going the wrong route. And he better come out the back end of it and making money unless you're filthy rich and can afford to pay for college. A hundred thousand dollars in debt, buddy, you're not gonna have the financial ability to own a house until your thirties. Until your thirties. All right, it's enough of that. Do we have another internal struggle coming in the GOP? We might. Trump seems angry, hang on.
2: One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy. Or you, your best man, your worst man. You, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, pre-diabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at do That's do Brought to you by the Ad Council and its Pre-Diabetes Awareness Partners.
3: Love having Uncle Jimbo on. Joining me now, the man who is still trying to get me to try the reverse seer, which I have not even tried yet, and a man with a great new book coming out, Jim Hansen, former Green Beret. Jim, how to win the second war. Your book's titled Winning the Second Civil War Without Firing a Shot. What civil war are you talking about? The one the left's
9: winning right now. Yeah. I mean, dude, I wrote the book because I'm worried. You know, they've been, uh, they've been going on. I mean, we had a, kind of a long, simmering Cold War between the left and right for decades now. But ever since Obama decided that it was time to empower the activists on his team, you know, and he started pushing BLM and the rest of these guys telling them they were right, the left's been going crazy. And they're making huge, huge inroads against us. So I got a battle plan for us to start fighting back and winning without actually having to have a revolution.
3: Okay, people, obviously, I'm going to want them to get the book, but give us something. What? what, what? So we have a chance. Let's start there. We have a chance in the second civil war. Remember one thing, even
9: in the 2020 election, as bad as it was, we still picked up a dozen seats in the House. Now, that that tells you one thing. America doesn't like the left. As a matter of fact, they're scared of them. There was a lot of anti-Trump sentiment. You know, I mean, for what he is, he he polarizes people, love him or hate him. So the 2020 election was about Trump. It was not about people saying we want Democrat ideas. So we got to fix some election rules. We got work to do. But we are far from beaten. We, uh, we're on the comeback path.
3: I have said I feel like the country is separating. I, I, I feel like it's doing it naturally. I feel like it should do that. What do you feel about that? I just think people are moving. People, look, people either want to live in Florida or they want to live in New York, and there aren't many people who want to live in between. Good.
9: You know, there's a reason we formed a federal republic, not a democracy. That's so people could sort themselves based on the values they believe in, the things they like, the people they want to be around. And guess what? I don't want to be around liberals. You know, I, I used to be fine with them. I lived in Madison, Wisconsin. You know, And I would proudly hang out as the only conservative most of those people knew, and we would argue. And in the end, we could agree to disagree. Well, they stopped that. They became intolerant, and they can no longer deal with people who disagree with their secular religion of wokeness. So if we don't want to live
3: together, who cares? We can have separate states, and you know, they can have the crappy ones, and we'll take the cool ones. Why did they become intolerant? What happened there?
9: It's been a long thing. You know, the, 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 it's the socialism is the problem. You know, they believe the state should control the people because the people don't make the decisions that they think they should. So we do things like drive cars and eat steaks and live well and shoot guns and have cool lives. And they don't want that. They want us to do what the state says and live in our little boxes, you know, and, and basically have our lives laid out for us by the smart people who tell us what to do. And that's un-American. So they've been doing it though by taking over our education system, they took over our popular culture, you know, and they own the permanent bureaucracy of government. So all of those things make it easy to to add that control. But our constitution is still supreme and we still have at least a five four majority of the Supreme Court. So we're we're far from beat. And it's time to start pounding them back.
3: Jim. Tell me how we put any kind of a band back together when half the country hates the country. I I just don't see that as being something fixable. I don't see it as something being winnable. I just think we should divorce. Um, You know, I probably wouldn't be against that.
9: But I think it's too complicated, and I think in the end, I think they're beatable in a way, or at least we can beat them into submission. You know they, They've been winning and they've been unopposed at home. We were focused on national security, you know, defeating the Soviet Union, winning the Cold War, that kind of stuff, fighting terrorism. And while we were doing that, they were doing all of their insinuating into all of our culture and society and institutions. Well, if we focus our energy on that, if we pay attention. You know, if we do things like refuse to have our kids in schools that tell them America is awful, you know, we, we make TV programs and movies that show the good side of America. We're better at anything we decide to do than they are. We just haven't been focused on the home front. So I'm not as I'm not as you know, pessimistic about that as you are, but it's not going to be easy. So I'm, I got no no illusions about how hard this is going to be a hard fight, but it's worth it.
3: What's the plan for the schools, Jim? What is the plan for forgetting about schools because, you know, I hate them anyway. What is the plan for the education of the next generation of Americans? How do we take that back?
9: I think it's already started to happen in that we just forget about liberal academia. You know, the university system is a cesspool and a wasteland. So ignore it for now. And what we need to do, if we do one smart thing, we start building vocational technical programs for information technology workers. That's the jobs of the future, and there's no reason for those people to go get woke indoctrination from the left at universities. Let's take them and bring them into our side, the Mike Rowe side, you know, the, the dirty jobs, and make them normal Americans. So they skip the wokeness, they learn the information technology jobs, and we build a parallel education system, you know, that, that lets our kids go to school and learn something useful for their lives and their jobs, not just be turned into mindless leftist zombies.
3: Speaking with Jim Hansen, author of the book, winning the second civil war, Jim, when it comes to universities, I've been echoing what you just said about get them out of the, take them to tech schools, send them to trade, take them to trade schools. But these universities are still a destination in the minds of so many Americans on the left and the right, just from tradition. You know, People want to brag, oh, My b- little Billy got into college. Sarah got into college. I'm so proud of her. How do we change that mindset? Because I think that mindset has to die. Oh, I couldn't agree
9: more. It's the
3: idea, I call them the credentialed elite. They're not elite in any way
9: other than they have a credential that says so. And we need to change that mindset. Now, that's, that's an information war. And okay, we're not the best at that. You know, that's not our specialty, but we haven't tried. You know, so what we need to do is point out that it's not the credential you have. What are you doing with it? You know, If you went to Harvard and you walked out of there with some sort of intersectional gender studies degree, who cares if you went to Harvard? That's not impressive. What are you doing? And so we need to make the outcome the important thing, not the process. Going to college is nothing. Going to school is just a means to an end. What is the end? What are you doing? Do you run a business? Do you employ people? Are you a productive member of society or are you a looter and moocher and parasite member of the left? And let's demonize what they now have as their big thing. It's supposed to be cool to be that. Let's make it the parasite class.
3: What do we do about entertainment? You mentioned we're better at it than them, but they own it all. And, in fact, our actors and actresses who sadly do matter, the ones who think like you and I, are scared to speak out because they get slaughtered if they do.
9: And that's a place where we're starting, at least, to make a few inroads. And it's good. That's going to be a long battle, dude, because that's where they're strongest. And as Breitbart said, politics is downstream of culture. But I don't know if you saw that movie out of the Daily Wire, Run, Hide, Fight about the school shooting have you seen
3: that i've not seen the movie i saw that it's out i know they put one out i just haven't seen the movie yet
9: brother watch the movie and everybody listening to this watch that movie it is a great action flick not a great by a conservative action flick a great action flick the school shooting where the incels and the anarchists go in and start taking over and killing people and there's a girl whose dad's a vet and who taught her the right ways who kicks their ass Dude, it'll make you feel good so and it's and it's exciting and it kept me and my wife on the edge of our seats dude so there is hope it is it is not the only dinesh d'Souza made uh infidel another good move so i mean we got we got a long way to go but at least the fact that we're fighting back gives us hope and you just got to reinforce the people who have the guts to
3: try jim hansen author of the book winning the second civil war thank you so much my brother
9: Always a pleasure, Jesse.
3: All right. Someone else had to have an emergency appendectomy. (laughs) I'm going to talk about that in this new GOP rift. Hang on.
4: something. There's a podcast. Get it on demand wherever podcasts are found. The Jesse Kelly Show.
3: It is very hard to quit dipping tobacco. Look, it's hard to quit smoking. It's 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 hard to quit. It's addictive. And let's not do that thing where we're all it's gross. It may be that, but it's fun. I loved it. I still love it if we're being honest. I I, I wish I wish it wasn't so terrible for me. So to quit, which I did, I needed Jake's Minshew. I had to have something like that. And look, it's available in 11 different flavors, seven different flavors in pouches. You have to try their CBD pouches, by the way. That is by far my favorite. I love their CBD pouches, but no nicotine, no tobacco, no sugar. Jake's Mint Chew will help you quit in a healthy way. Go to jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Use the promo code JESSE. That actually gets you 20% off.
5: You did that for a hot pocket?
7: Yes. that for a hot pocket. You broke into a bank for a hot pocket.
5: Hot pocket. For a hot, hot pocket. pocket. Was it worth it? Hell yes, yeah, worth
2: it. yes, yeah.
3: yeah, worth it. A hot pocket? Hell yeah.
2: Eight
3: seven seven three seven seven four three seven three. Chris and I were just talking about the tale during the break of the man who broke into the bank to warm up his hot pocket.
6: <laughs> what a legend. All
3: right. <laughs> this email got me. I had told the story. I think it was last week or the week before. I don't I don't plan, so I don't remember. About getting an emergency appendectomy. This guy writes in, Handsome Oracle, which is the way to start an email, Chris. I heard your appendectomy story and figured it would be fun to share mine. Super Bowl Sunday, 2020. Oh, wow. You just had it. I woke up with a slight stomach ache, but I figured. Wait, Super Bowl Sunday, this last one was 2021. This is a year ago. Shut up, Chris. I woke up with a slight stomach ache, but figured it was from the brewskis I had the night before. I got to church that morning and then out to lunch at Chipotle with my small group afterward. By that time, my stomach pain had gotten worse to the point where I did not eat very much. Considering I had the reputation of being the guy who eats food for two or three people, this was kind of weird. I came to the conclusion that it was bad backup of gas pain. He's not wrong. I should say when I had, I'd never had gas pain. Like that was a weird thing, but when you have it, it feels like you're like full. It feels like you're full of air and it hurts. Anyway, I went to the store after lunch and got some gas X and then it took approximately (laughs) and then took approximately four times the recommended amount. I tried to walk it off for approximately an hour with no success. I make some bacon weenies for the Super Bowl party I was planning to go to that evening. Note that it was uh, at my girlfriend, now fiance's parents' house, and it was only the second or third time I'd been to their house. I make it to halftime of the game and need to make a run to the bathroom. It was rough to say the least. The pain was so great that I ended up throwing up and going home. Being as bullheaded as I am, I was still convinced that it was gas pain. I wake up the next morning with worse pain than the previous day and reluctantly go to the hospital. The doctor knew instantly that it was an appendicitis and gets me into surgery. The nurses chuckled when I got over the shot of anesthesia in my arm and said, man, I need some more of that when you guys are done. (laughs) Over a year later, and I'm still waiting for it. Thanks for all you do and keep up the good work. It is a different kind of a pain. I've had people, once you have one, People just instinctively start trying to figure out if they're having one because you can die from the thing. It's not a stomach ache. It is different. Trust me on this. It is different. This is from the Post Millennial. Trump sends GOP cease and desist order or letter asking them not to use his name. Apparently Trump got wind of the fact that many GOP organizations are still using his name and likeness to raise funds for themselves, which then go to people who tried to unsuccessfully impeach him. Look, Donald Trump believes a couple things. And I'm not here to tell you he's wrong. Donald Trump believes all the way that that election was stolen from him. He does. He believes it 100%. He put out a letter recently about the crisis at the border. He wouldn't refer to Joe Biden as president. doesn't think he's president. Joe B- uh, Donald Trump believes that election was stolen from him. He believes the Republican Party did not stand up for him the way the Republican Party should have. And I'm not here to say he's wrong. I'm not here to say he's right. I'm here to say this. This is the part of this I focus on because this is what it means for the future. This is going to be a problem in the future. What I what I mean by that is this. If the most popular Republican in the United States of America by a mile, remember he's the most popular Republican by a mile, if the most popular Republican in the United States of America has a real unresolved axe to grind, With the Republican Party itself, that doesn't necessarily manifest itself in good ways. As I've said before, this whole civil war in the GOP, battle for the future of the the GOP, this is a good thing overall. It's a very, very good thing. It's a healthy thing. We need to have this fight. Let's have it out. It's it's fine. But if Donald Trump is going to be a problem for Republicans... It might be a rough four years for Republicans. Just because Trump is so popular, he has the power to hurt them. Ask, ask, you know what? You want to do some fishing for how people think? Put something positive on social media out there for Mike Pence. Mike Pence was Donald Trump's vice president for four years. Mike Pence had a great debate with Kamala Harris. Everybody remembers when he just destroyed her. But Mike Pence was very, very quiet during that whole election fraud thing. In the minds of Trump's supporters, Mike Pence is a dirty traitor who should never see the office again. This is the guy who was just Trump's vice president. He should be the likely nominee. He gets crushed in lots of these polls. Crushed. This could be a problem. Could be a problem. Something to keep your eyes on. Hang on, hang on one second. Some guy's living off beer.
8: Hi,
4: we're the Goo Goo Dolls.
3: Biden orders creation of Gender Policy Council. No, I'm not going to get to it today. It's too much. It's too much. You know what? Chris, make sure that is top priority for tomorrow's show. We are going to talk about the Gender Policy Council. I think I should be in charge of the Gender Policy Council, Chris. What? What? Man lives. uh, This is from thedrinkbusiness.com. Man lives on nothing but beer for Lent. To raise money for the hospitality sector. You know what? I have been looking to do something charitable for some time now. What, Chris? What? I can can do stuff for a good cause. I am going to join this man's cause? What? This is something we can do for the... Oh, I'm sorry. You don't want to better your community like I do. Some of us like to give back, Chris. I'm going to give back in the same way this guy did. It is a beer-only diet for me. 877-377-4373. Leave us a voicemail if you don't catch us live. Jesse at jessikellyshow.com. That's all. That's nwretention.com. Use the promo code JESSE. Get you 10% off.
2: I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States.